Hello and welcome to episode 124 of The Winning Agenda. My name is Jesse Marshall and I'm here, as always, with my lovable sidekick, Wilfred E. Horrig. How are you, Wilfie? I still haven't finished the Terminal Directive campaign, but I hope when I do, I find out that the Byroid, you know, is actually the... has been pulling the strings the whole time. Well, if you're the corp and you win... I'm the runner. I'm the runner. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm not sure, but... uh. Yeah, yeah. we're leaving this uh, podcast spoiler-free in case anyone still cares about that like two months after the release of Terminal Directive. I'm uh-huh. sure if we accidentally spoil something, uh, our fans will be at our throats in the comments. Yes, so we shall thoroughly do our best to avoid that. Uh, and instead, we will turn away from such matters and onto, well, actually back straight onto those matters again and <laughs> back to Terminal Directive. Not so much the story side of things, but the tournament applications of the cards in the box that are tournament playable. And yeah. we'll continue our run through. Sorry, go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what we're about here at the Winning Agenda. Um, Terminal Directive is a pretty big box. It's, I think... We haven't had a big box in quite a while. What what was the last one? Was it Data and Destiny? It was. And this box has a slightly different ratio of cards and air to the previous big boxes. What do you think of that? Um, oh, you mean it's literally bigger? I thought you meant like air as in like metaphorical. But nope, No, I you... mean actu- actual air. Oxygen, um, nitrogen, I all the good stuff. I think that... Uh, I'm not sure actually because I thought... Netrunners always wanted more storage solutions for all their cards that they have to keep in their house. But yes. I'm not sure So in that, that sense it's helpful. Yeah, I'm not sure that they've really gone the right way about it, but like it is a bit big. I, I feel like the largeness of the terminal directive box has been a like well trodden topic by this point. Yeah, I internet. just wanted to make some snippy comment about cards and air. Oh, okay. That's we, cool. we went pretty deep on that one. Um, <laughs> we'll he- head back over to the card side of things. We'll leave the air for another time. Uh, so the cards themselves, as most people would know by now, are divided into cards that are tournament playable and cards that are campaign only. And last week we dived into the first of the four factions that are represented in this box, which was the criminal faction was and is the criminal faction and tonight we're going to dive into the second of the runner factions which is the green faction the shapers uh in general wilfie how how do you feel about the two runner factions that were included in this box are you happy to see it as crim and shaper uh yeah in terms of tournament playability anarch has been the you know top dog on campus for quite a while now and especially i think criminal could use some strategies aside from just shove all your good cards in one deck. Shaper, not so much. Shaper, like good Shaper decks are pretty versatile, even if there aren't that many of them at the moment. They are not versatile. They're quite different from one another. Mm. Um, so I'm glad that, especially on the criminal side, it looks like we've gotten some cards that support different strategies. And on mm-hmm. the Shaper side, I feel feel like that's a bit less pronounced but i think we'll find out as the episode goes on yeah that's a really good analysis i will also save my overall thoughts for the end of the episode but uh stay tuned because i think there are some really interesting cards here if not the most powerful so the first of the cards on the from the shaper faction in terminal directive is isla or ayla bios rahim the simulant specialist so Ayla, I'm going to call her Ayla. Uh, feel free to correct me. Uh, our listeners do love sending in pronunciation tips uh, on the internet, some of which are universally applicable, B 
being just English language or non-English language pronunciation, and some of which are, in fact, unique to Australia. I had a Twitter conversation with one of our listeners during the week about the pronunciation of the word cache, uh, which has been used a lot more since cache refresh format was announced. And for all of you American listeners who think that we just don't know the word and are very confused, cache in Australia is actually pronounced cache, not cash. Um, comments on that before we move we, on to Halo? Did we have a conversation about it or did someone tweet at us like that? I wasn't... Like, you know, it's not necessary to subtweet anyone, but, uh, it, you know, I think it's perfectly reasonable to want to make sure that we're... Um, that we actually know what's going on. I mean, you know, some people just want to inform us as to what's going on, and sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not so right. I think all their opinions are valued regardless. Oh, absolutely. I I, I was actually trying to encourage that feedback. Oh, okay, uh, good, so you're good. It was if, a bit confused, I think. I, I'm sorry, my, my tone may have been a little confusing, but the point I was trying to make in a very roundabout way was that if anyone can enlighten us on how to pronounce Ayla, which is a word that doesn't necessarily have a specific pronunciation in Australia, we would be most uh, open to hearing your suggestions. Exactly. Although I think the cipher-cipher debate is still uh, a case left open. However, on that, now that you've mentioned it, one of our wonderful listeners did in fact send in a link to me to a, um, a pronunciation of the Arabic word, which sounded to me a lot more like cipher than cipher. So you can go ahead and listen to the pronunciation of that word if you like. To me, it sounds like cipher, but yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll move back on to Ayla. <laughs> does, does anyone <laughs> remember when we talked about Netrunner on this podcast? <laughs> Pronunciation's important. It is an audio medium that we're using, so we have to get the words right. So before drawing your starting hand, look at the top six cards of your stack. Set four of them face down as NV RAM. Shuffle the rest into your stack. You can spend a click to add one card from NVRAM to your grip. And she's 45 deck size and 15 influence, zero link. Wilfie, is this the Shaper Andromeda? So, yeah, that's the, I think, first comparison that jumps to your mind. Um, and I probably don't think so. I think she's actually the kind of the opposite of Andromeda for a couple of reasons. Firstly, this the most important important difference between the two in my opinion um is that this costs a click to put the card into your hand but the cards are like in a bookmark zone where they don't take up cards in your hand so it's not as important that you play cards early but each card is individually less powerful that you get from this because it costs an extra click to retrieve it so i think whereas andromeda you want a lot of cards you can play early for universal benefit um you know the cards like career fair um, short Gamble, or Dirty Laundry. Short, career Fair, Short Gamble, Dirty Laundry, as well as Security Testing, Desperado, have all been especially good in Andromeda, I think better than other criminals, just because you get a bonus for having those cards early, even if they're not as good like in multiples, especially uh, test, Testing and Desperado. And um, all those cards are best on turn one anyway. Yes, exactly. The cards are good, uh, better early than late. Whereas I think... Ayla is a bit of the opposite, where you'd rather hide cards under her that are better late than early, because if you have a card that's impactful and situational, you can keep it there. It doesn't take up slots in your hand, which is one of the big issues with cards like, especially Shaper events like Maker's Eye or Escher or... Or Interface? S- yep. Basically, lots of things like that, where you want them as the game progresses, but 
they're not really worth installing in your hand. Like we've all had the scenario where you have a very important card in your hand, but you it sort of just sits there until later and you a lot of the time you wish it was something else, even though you know it's important for your deck to function. Like, And to me, that seems to happen more often with Shaper decks than with Krim or Anarch, maybe because Shaper decks have more pieces that you don't necessarily want early in the game. You've sort of got a deck that may be divided more clearly between your do-something cards and your just economy. And if you just draw all your do-something cards and not enough of your economy, you then throw out your do-something cards which in Shaper you usually want all of in play, whereas in Anarcho Krim you're not so attached to any particular one. Maybe you only need one copy in play. I don't know. That's just yeah, my feeling. I no, feel like I think the, so the action well. cards for Shaper, rather than being as individually powerful, are more powerful in combination with each other, which means you generally want all of them in play. Yep, I definitely yeah. feel that as well. Um, and so how does that affect this card? So that means that that's a benefit compared to the Andromeda ability because you can hide cards on it that you want only only want later on in the game without mm-hmm. them taking up slots in your hand um, that could be used for other more universally impactful or more early game impactful cards. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the drawback, like I think the primary drawback is that it's not as good as Andromeda in the early turns just because the when you're setting up the early clicks are so important and especially when you're trying to and especially it reduces the number of cards that are good under um nv ram i think that's more important like something like shore gamble while it is a great card to have in your opening hand as andromeda like it's one of the better cards um at least most of the time, it's one of the better cards to have in your opening hand. Mm. Putting it under your NVRAM is not as impactful just because the benefit of that is in the efficiency of getting to play Shore Gamble on turn one, where, which is blunted by the fact that you have to pay an extra click for it. So, so, so people of, might say to you on that, Wilfie, then, mm-hmm. how how is that worse than just drawing the Shore Gamble, like surely being able to NVRAM it at the moment you want it is still an advantage? And... Is the problem with that analysis that this is your idea ability and it should be doing more for you than that? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to... Com- obviously, it's better to have the short gamble under your MV RAM than just have it floating somewhere in your deck. It costs the same number of clicks either way. But mm. yeah, if you really want your idea ability to help your game plan along, it's sort of... You want a lot of your cards, I feel feel to be hits with this which means that you need to build your deck around it while not what do you mean by hits with it like you want to have the largest number of cards that will actually give you a large enough benefit when you do decide to take them out of mv ram like i'm thinking Mm. things like breakers are very good for that because it's sort of like having a special order in reserve things Mm -hmm. like uh, as you were saying iron interface maker's eye things that are very impactful in scoring your agenda points at some point in the game, but you don't necessarily want early. Things like Stimhack. Consoles, um, perhaps, even? Yeah, potentially consoles. And, yeah, like, we can think of lots of cards that are like that, but Mm. not so much um, the Andromeda sort of thing, where you just... Your advantage is from the sheer number of resources that you get when you begin the game. 
I think mm, so. Ayla's, if we go back to yeah, sorry, Kenji. I think Ayla's ability is more beneficial when you take into account that lets you store those cards for when they're most useful. Yeah, so if we go back to that issue that I was mentioning earlier where as a shaper, if you draw all your action cards in your opening hand and not your economy, then you can have a really slow start. Ayla doesn't really help you solve that issue, does she? Because if you you can still draw that hand where you've got five action cards in your hand and four economy cards on your NVRAM. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't and you're help. still sort of in a pretty awkward spot. It doesn't help so much with that just because you don't really get the best amount of selection from your NVRAM. Like, six cards is only a bit more than your opening hand to begin with, so it's kind of like having one hand under your NVRAM and one hand, like, in your hand. But, of course, you don't get to choose which is which, right? Mm, so it'd be much better if you could... Well, not much better, but it would be significantly better if you could see your opening hand before choosing your four for the NVRAM. Uh... Well, then you'd have to think about whether you'd want to mulligan before or after seeing your NVRAM. So I don't think that's necessarily a huge deal. I just think the fact that... Oh, I guess so, yeah. When you have to build a deck that's like some part, especially in Shaper, as you said, some part economy cards, some part other resource generation, some part late game pieces, and some part disruption. And then this does give you some finesse over what pieces go where like what parts of that puzzle go where but i don't think the effect is as pronounced as you know we were hoping for when we saw it as the shaper andromeda like as that's been what people are saying been saying on the internet Mm. so if um uh, i guess just one last question for you on ayla if you designed your deck so that you weren't relying on economy operations as much and instead had your economy in a card like magnum opus or potentially another one or two cards that together might give you a more long game drip economy or um you know more sustainable economy over the game could ayla work better with that deck that sort of um economy engine where you're pretty likely to draw those one or two key pieces between your nvram and your opening hand yes definitely in fact that's sort of the chaos theory um rationale right the fact that chaos theory gives you 40 cards five less cards than usual which makes it easy to find your magnum opus as well as doesn't require you to spend as many support slots on your magnum opus this is sort of the same thing where if most of your cards are action like most of your cards do things other than give you economy most of your cards disrupt your opponent or they allow you to get to get accesses um Ayla becomes much better but the fact that she's competing with chaos theory in that space sort of Mm. uh, um, sort of means that I think shapers kind of already have a tool that does that although I do think that Ayla is a bit more powerful in that sense just because um, while she doesn't give you the plus one memory um, she does give you I think vastly more chances to find the magnum opus than chaos theory does and also to find another piece to make up for that missing memory. Yes. You know, your console or whatever. Yeah. Cool. Uh, that's um, an interesting analysis, and it'll certainly be uh, fun to watch how Ayla turns out. The zero link is just one other thing I actually very quickly wanted to touch on. Do you think that'll be a big problem for it? Um, potentially. Of course, one link is better than zero link, but the value mm. depends, I think, quite a bit on the what things are strong in the court metagame like that we've had times in the past where one like having two link was functionally like having a breaker like 
against mm. lots of decks you had trace you know so lots of decks played rabbit hole as their primary breaker at some point in the past mm. right so mm-hmm. but there have been times where it's been functionally like you know it's, useless yeah. yeah it's either relevant once or zero times during the game so i don't yeah. see it as a huge knock against ella but you know i can see if traces do turn out to be popular or common in a certain metagame that you might say i don't think you know my Ayla deck isn't as efficient as it could be because of that. Mm. All right, the the next card in the pack is Careful Planning. It's an event priority, cost three, influence four. You can only play it as your first click. It's a priority. Choose a card in or protecting a remote server. That card cannot be resed this turn. Wilfie, this is a very expensive pseudo-disruption card. Shaper doesn't have a lot of disruption. Is this the sort of thing that you could ever see playing in a Shaper deck? Mm, I'd be really surprised. Um, mm. So it's sort of like an inside job, uh, but you have to play it as your first action, which is a drawback, but not a like. Um, I think not enough to make it unplayable if that was its only drawback. But the fact that you have to play this and then run just to get the effect of a inside job is a bit makes it much much worse um you might say the fact that it can target things in remote servers uh yeah in rather than protecting remote servers is a little bit relevant but like it's if you think of it like that your opponent always has the chance to pre-res something if they know that it might careful planning might come or the fact that if there's n- none of the things in the remote server are unadvanced you sort of have to guess which one is the defensive upgrade and which one is the agenda which is just a not a very good situation to be in at all um i think most of those those things together sort of lead to not a very effective card Mm. considering that a lot of corporation asset economy is best rezzed at the end of the runner's turn could this be used in a sort of asset economy defensive upgrade heavy metagame i just the problem is that the cost of missing with this like the cost of playing this and not stealing an agenda on that turn is so high it's not like Mm. inside job i think where you know if you run they res you inside job a server they either you know res one ice let you through and make you pay to break the other ice or they don't res let you into the server that at least like you get the chance to access the card and then even if it's non-agenda you get the chance to trash it whereas this is like you have to careful if you're careful planning their um something that you can't get into like their a card in the remote server where you can't get into the remote server then sort of next turn you're doing the same thing except you're three credits down and yeah yeah i think it's pretty miserable in a lot of situations should we move on mm-hmm Mm. The next card in the pack is Deep Data Mining. A much more interesting card, I think. Uh, it's a run event, three costs, four influence again. So a lot of high influence cards here. You make a run on R&D. If successful, access one additional card for each unused MU up to four. First thing I want to say on this card, I love the fact that it has a ceiling. I think limiting cards to a reasonable ceiling is a really good design principle um that should be applied a little more broadly in the game sometimes to to prevent things from getting out of hand um 
as a replacement, well, not a replacement maker's eye because it's in the core set, but as another multi-access option, perhaps a replacement indexing, I don't know, a, an aggressive option for turn one or two if R&D is left open. How do you see this one, Wilfie? Yeah, I think that's the most apt um, comparison to indexing because this can let you access five cards sort of functionally like indexing lets you access can let you access five cards over multiple accesses um but the thing with this is that usually the best time to play maker's eye is not so much early on during the game it can be okay to score some points if you're really trying to um beat the corp into submission before they can do anything but Usually you want to make his eye when you know that R&D is more dense and when you know that accessing cards is actually going to be impactful, like trashing cards that the corp cares about is going to be bad for them and uh, you stealing agendas isn't just going to stop them from drawing agendas and increase the quality of their draws in the near future. So mm. it's sort of like the cre- your credits are more important early and points are less important, whereas for a good multi-access card R&D multi-access card it's sort of the opposite you want to play it at a point where points are very important but credits are not so much so this sort of doesn't really synergize with that because you um, you really have to build your deck in a way that is going to ensure that it's going to be effective into the long game if you want to play it which I think takes a lot more work than Maker's Eye does for a little bit more effectiveness but not that much like I can't really see a situation where you have a full rig and yet um, you're accessing five cards yeah least. exactly right it is worth pointing out I guess with brain chip that these feed each other so that if you have what if you manage, do manage to steal agendas early brain chip rewards you for that by giving you even more MU which you can then use to host your breakers to get in again for your next deep data mining, which hopefully will steal another agenda to give you more MU sort of thing. That's true. Um, but sort of... So that may be a little combo. I don't know. Yeah, that's I can see that just because de- that means your deep data minings are still going to be useful early on in the game um, where you don't necessarily have to install more than one breaker to be able to get into a server or maybe zero breakers if you're playing Adams. Um, the... the click to break something directive mm. um so yeah i can see that but i'm not sure that for well in adam decks i'm not sure that four influence four influences a steep price to pay for a card that you sort of want to build your strategy around but i could mm. see sort of maybe going the other way around yeah i mean brain chip's not an awful console for shapers i don't think at all no i just the thing is that it's not at this point in time the hardest thing that shaper the the big problem with Shaper is that it's so hard to get to deal with assets in remotes, right? Yeah. Um, and maybe digging R&D faster helps you race that game plan? True, but it's sort of... Yeah, I guess that that is a reasonable point. Like, sort of just trying to ignore that entirely and dig R&D might just be the way to go rather than, you know, using your tools which aren't that effective to fight it. Yeah, because I sort of think that's the best way for shapers to go about it anyway, but you do have more limited R&D multi-access options. So, I, yeah, that's where my brain goes, is that having another option that lets you dig as deep as potentially, if not more than the maker's eye, just sort of lets you spend them more consistently throughout the game. Yeah, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, 
from that perspective, I could see this card enabling a sort of strategy that does that consistently, like tries to score seven points or like a significant number of its points each game off R&D, like not just waiting until the game's late and then R&D locking the corp. Mm. So yeah, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see where that goes. Cool. Next card in the pack is LLDS Memory Diamond. It's a hardware mod for to install one influence, plus one memory and plus one link. Your maximum hand size is increased by one. So this is just a, an all-around efficiency piece of hardware. Gives you one of everything: link, a memory, and an extra card in your hand. What do you think, Wilfie? Is that worth four? Hmm, the thing is that usually decks don't want one of everything. Usually if one of these things is important, you want to spend as little as possible to get it and then sort of forego everything else. Just because it's not... Yeah. It's the sort of thing where it's not going to be effective in every game, but in the games that is effective, it's central to your strategy. So outside of Kate, uh, four credits for a piece of hardware is really expensive. Yeah, I think that like four credits is R and D interface price, right? And yep. I would rather have every time I access R and D see an additional card than get these benefits that are sort of okay on their own but don't really add up to a very powerful card together. And when compared with the existing options, you've got Dyson Memships three, is that right? For a link and a memory? Yep. And obviously you've got Akamatsu Memships one credit for just the memory, which is probably out of these three things the thing that shaper decks are going to want the most yeah the, it's the one that's the most dependent on the runner's deck and least dependent on the corpse deck right mm-hmm. so in that sense this as a card in a vacuum doesn't seem amazing when compared with other forecast hardware doesn't seem amazing and when compared with other options for getting similar effects doesn't seem amazing yeah i'm not really sure where it fits in especially when you put it like that mm. Okay, Ubax or Ubax is the next card. Okay, We're so, also taking pronunciation tips on this one. Yep, so I've been... This card has been a, a staple in my Terminal Directive deck. I try and install it every game uh, just because I like the idea of getting something every turn without having to do anything. Um, yeah. I've been calling it Ubax, but... Ubax? Okay. Yeah, I think so, just because... I don't know. That's That seems the most natural way to pronounce a word. Like, yeah, what about tr- what about Wildbacks or Ubacks side? Sorry? No, I'm just making a wild side comparison. It was possibly very lame. Uh, it's a hardware console, five to install, three influence, plus one memory. When your turn begins, draw one card, limit one console per player. So you've been playing this in your TD deck. Has it has the effect been good? I mean, wild side is good. Uh yeah, like the it's a bit expensive i think for a regular netrunner just because you really want to install it early to get maximum effect but your early game clicks and credits are so constrained mm. um, and is, is one card as good as two <laughs> is the other question well i mean each, each part of wild side chronotype sort of gives you one card right so okay but the i think the thing is that this isn't necessarily better in a game this doesn't necessarily draw you more cards than astrolabe does in a game mm. and it also costs yep. four more so mm. yes. i think that's a big hit against it in that sense uh yeah astrolabe's so good <laughs> it's pretty great like yeah. <laughs> all right i think that's enough said on that one really it's sort of a pretty simple effect and its evaluation depends on 
how efficiently you can otherwise draw cards. Mm-hmm. Adept, Savant, and Egret are the three next cards. Um, oh, Egret. Oh, wait, yeah, yeah. So, Sorry. Um, yes. Adept and Savant are the two breakers. Yeah, so um, they follow on from Sage, which was the yes. previous, the, like that completed the cycle, basically. Yeah, so Adept and Savant are the Sentry Barrier and Sentry Codegate breakers. And we've already got the Codegate Barrier one, which is... Yep, Sage. Sage. Uh, Sage has not seen a ton of play, though it has seen some. Uh, do either... I, I wouldn't see... Obviously, a Sage Adept Savant deck is not where you're going to go. You're probably going to have one of these to complement the rest of your rig, I would think, mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Do any of these um, sort of scream playability at you? Yeah, so the thing with this is that you play it with another breaker in order to get a universal rig that is mm-hmm. hopefully reasonably efficient and saves you the cost of installing the other breaker and also mm-hmm. the, you know, having to find it, whatever it is, right? So it sort of mm-hmm. mashes two cards into one, but requires a lot more setup to do it. Like they're all two memory. So in that sense, it's definitely mashing two breakers into one. But I think the big problem is that they like to pump them they don't pump themselves so to pump them you need to find some way to get excess memory um Mm -hmm. which doesn't usually like that sort of defeats the purpose of not needing an extra breaker if you're going to have to find these support cards like it would be okay from a like if you were to look at it like that the memory is the second piece that you need to make this breaker work it would be okay if memory was like useful in lots of different situations but memory is actually useless except in the situation of hosting your programs yeah or or, or like enabling you to use your programs so plus then the break is just like two to break is so bad yeah so when you combine that with the fact that you need extra support cards yeah i feel like this cycle is conceptually a really cool idea I feel like two memory is already a reasonably high price to pay because you're only then really saving the card for the other breaker and you're already paying the penalty of having a pretty um, high break cost but then also not being pumpable at all. It sort of feels to me like it would be cool if there was another resource in the game that you could have to spend to pump these or something. Like energy. (laughs) Yeah, it's like something different. Um, yeah. that was limited in some way that maybe there was another card that could generate it that you could use to pump these. But Well, that's sort of like uh, Overmind, right? Or Mamon or, or Overmind or all of those AI breakers that use different resources. Like, I just feel yeah. like... Or Faust. I yeah, mean, yeah. yeah. Like, um, and I think sw- using cards is obviously a bad idea um, and is potentially abusable. But if, yeah, I feel like if there was some other resource other than credits and cards that you could use to give this a pump ability that was still somewhat limited, then that would be cool. Yeah, I think so too. Just memory is a bit strange for the reasons I outlined before. And I think that sort of makes it not what you want to use to get the efficiency from your breakers. Mm-hmm. The next card in the pack is Igret. It is a program, two to install, one memory, two influence. You can only install it on a resed piece of ice. Powerful text. Host ice gains sentry, code gate, and barrier. So this has 
a lot of similarities to Parasite. Two to install, two memory, one influence, install on the other piece of ice. How does the effect stack up, Wilfie? Um, I think it's sort of like what... It's sort of to Parasite, like what tinkering is the inside job. Like, Parasite, mm. over the course of the game, will require... Like, they both require support cards, but Parasite sort of can do something on its own, whereas Egret uh, needs support cards to be good, like Icebreakers mm. in particular, to, to actually have some effect. Um... And if you have the icebreaker, it sort of goes. It does anything from just saving you some credits if you if you can use a more efficient breaker to allowing you to get into a server. So in that sense, it's sort of like a replacement icebreaker that only goes on one ice. So I guess it's a bit more like knight. Um, mm, but I think yeah. the issue is that knight is strong or it's a bit under the curve now but it was strong because a knight by itself let you get into a server um and it wasn't such a big deal that the knight wasn't that useful anywhere else whereas this you need to have this on a piece of ice and already an icebreaker so for it to do anything at all the ice has to be one that your icebreaker can't get through and then once you have set up your rig so that you have an icebreaker that can get through it because it's not viable to continue to use this for the whole game, like to rely on Egret and one type of breaker as your only icebreaker. Hmm. Once your rig gets set up, this card sort of goes to not really doing anything. So it sort of doesn't have the ability that Knight has where you can use it as a universal breaker to break one thing regardless of what it is, but it also doesn't have the ability to be good later in the game when you already have all your breakers so I'm not really sure where it fits what about kit um kit yeah I suppose it could be good in kit but is it um, better than paintbrush in that right I see what you mean but isn't the the problem with kit that like having discards like you usually Need a, you definitely need a Cogate Breaker and then you need one of the others. So this sort of still has the same problems I'm talking about where it doesn't really replace the others. Like, you Does still, it make... Yeah. Like, if you're playing Torch uh-huh. and you're like, I can get through Cogates really efficiently, mm-hmm. does this just help you get through an additional non-Cogate piece of ice as efficiently as Torch lets you get through Cogates? You know, and you therefore it's sort of a pseudo-economy card. Um, in that sense kind of but then like you already have the ability with kit to get into one ice servers with a code gate breaker right yeah so this lets you get into two ice servers yeah I suppose that could be okay I'm just thinking what sort of card would it replace like because I feel like kit already yeah do do people play that in kit kit deck I haven't seen a kit deck for a long time right could this could this bring it back um, potentially, I still, I'm not really sure where it, like, yeah, if they were to pay, play Paintbrush, yeah, but I feel like the issue with Kit is sort of that your ability doesn't really help you set up, so you need to focus on disrupting the Corp to make use of your ability every turn, which mm. is not that easy for a Shaper deck to do at the moment, or at mm-hmm. all, maybe. That makes sense. So... 
in that sense, it doesn't really give you that much. But yeah, I can definitely see what you mean by that. Um, but I'm not certain that it's what you want, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next card in the pack is Degdeer. It's a program, Daemon, install to, memory zero, influence to. It can host a single program. When you install a program on it, you get to lower the install cost by one, so similar to the Shahrazad ability. The memory cost of the hosted program doesn't count against your memory limit. So you get a, you pay two for this, but then you get a one credit discount on the install cost of the program, and you, it essentially gives you plus one, plus two memory, possibly up to plus four if you're playing Endless Hunger. Uh, thoughts? Yeah, so I'm playing this in my um, Terminal Directive deck, and I feel like if you're just hosting a regular breaker, it's about, or not a breaker necessarily, but a regular um, one memory thing, it's yep. about as good as Mem- Akamatsu Memchip is, like costs an extra now, but reduces the program by one so it's a little worse um mm-hmm. if you're hosting a two just because you need to pay two immediately and you don't get the like the strength of being able to play akamatsu memchip when it's you know not that bad for your tempo you have to mm, play it's this. also a sequencing issue yeah exactly but like yeah. it's not as bad because you can put any breaker or any program on it it's not like you need like the main well the main benefit of this is with two cost two i can't two memory yeah yeah could it could it be good in apex is it better than than the other demon options at hosting endless hunger well i feel like that has the sort of issue where you're kind of forced to like be able to construct a reasonable game plan where you when you don't have this card like that exacerbates the sequ- sequencing issue yeah. like hugely because you have to have a regular game plan where you don't have this card and you need to install en- endless hunger at basically the first point possible when you need to break something right if that's going to mm. be your only icebreaker yeah. or your primary icebreaker but then you also have to like do something useful when you do get the combo of dig deer and endless hunger you have to like be able to use your extra memory to good effect and those situations mm. just don't really come up very often together. No. No, because then you've got a whole lot of other cards in your deck that you want to be installing yep. using your additional memory. Yep. Exactly. Mm. And if you draw everything out of sequence, it makes it hard. And that's always a problem with these sorts of cards that are a little inflexible in terms of timing. But I think this sort of uh, is a bit better than some of the other ones that we've seen just because it's zero memory, so it's more like a... Um, more like a memory chip than it is something like Leprechaun, but it's also mm. much less powerful than Leprechaun to like make up for that. Cool. The next card in the pack is Levy Advanced Research Lab, also known as Levy AR Lab, I believe. Are they one and the same? Can you confirm or deny? Um. Oh, as in, is this where like the lab that you're trying to get access to? Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense. Like. Can we get some flavor experts on the case? I'm sure we can. Innovation, iteration, education. Hopefully that'll start somebody off on a trail of clues. So it costs less than access to it does. Go figure. Um, Four to play, resource, location, ritzy. Click, reveal the top four cards of your stack. If any of those cards are programs, you may add one to your grip. 
add the rest of the cards to the bottom of your stack in any order. So it's a really soft program tutor. Yeah, so it's sort of like it gives you the ability to, instead of drawing a card, draw a pro- random program or like a program from your random top four cards, right? Mm. Not a random program. You get to choose the program. And like, yeah. is that really an ability you want? Like, I understand Definitely that not. lots, Never. like some of the things you want are programs, but sh- one shaper already has the best way to draw cards, right? So mm-hmm. like just having raw cards gives you much more than this does in that it you know not everything you want is a program and like some like what if you don't want a program do you just not use this card and draw cards regularly that doesn't seem like a very good use of your anything really no this card seems exceedingly narrow to the point of being completely useless yeah i would agree yeah the next card in the pack is laguna velasco district what a name it's unique and it's five to install. I do like five to install Shaper resources, Wilfie, so we'll see where <laughs> this goes. Uh, it's a resource location, Ritzy. Oh, I've already said that? Maybe I have. Maybe I didn't. Anyway, uh, whenever you spend a click to draw one card, oh, this is sounding a lot like Contacts, not through a card ability, draw one additional card. Okay, so it's it's Contacts for cards instead of cards and credits. Right, so it's like what Magnum Opus is to... So you have the spectrum between Magnum Opus, Professional Contacts, and this, right? Yes, <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. I you know, can't yeah. imagine how this could be better than Contacts. No, like, isn't the problem with Contacts sort of already that's a bit too weighted towards cards? Like, yeah. if you could, like, twiddle If you could have knobs, one and a half yeah. credits and half a card each time, it would be great. Yeah, just because, you know, at some point you have to spend your clicks to play your cards, right? Yeah, which mean and you usually cards cost more than one or whatever. I mean, some that's that analogy is kind of going off track because some cards also give you credits. But I'm sure you understand what I mean. Like, if you're going to contacts every turn, then you definitely don't gain credits at a fast enough rate to actually deploy all your all the things you want to deploy. Right, you and need I think to more than that, that though. Yeah, yeah, more than that though. You when you're drawing the cards from contacts. You need to spend clicks installing, but you also need to spend clicks running. And good play, good court players playing against professional contacts, aside from those who can just kill it with various tools. Um, but if assuming you can't, um, will try to put pressure on the runner who's using professional contacts so that they can't effectively leverage the cards that they're drawing and make runs and respond to the threats that the corp's putting out. And this card just exacerbates that problem because it's only giving you one of the two resources you want instead of both. So you then need to spend even more clicks gaining credits before you can efficiently make runs. Yeah, it really doesn't seem good to me, like com- with com- in comparison to other cards similar to it. Mm. The next card in the pack is moving us out of the shaper cards and into the neutrals. I think it was kind of unfortunate. Those two resources sort of really missed the mark at the end of the shaper cards there and sort of diminished the others because of their lack of playability. But the uh, moving out of shapers into neutral cards, it's a one influence, zero to play event called process automation, a very controversial card. It reads, gain two credits and draw one card. Thoughts on this one, Wolfie? Um... For one, I don't it really. I don't see why it's a runner card. Like, it doesn't 
the art isn't it a cop card like there's an assembly yeah. line and it says restructuring labor resources and like I, f- I feel like there's some flavor mix up here i feel like it was supposed to be a cop card it's just yeah. accidentally printed as a runner card yeah it's strange but i mean in terms of the effect it's like very boring um for one but for two like we're not in corset the corset um metagame anymore where it's not that easy or at least when i was building all right let's bring it back a little bit and i'll just say when i was building my terminal directive deck i'm like oh i actually have lots of influence compared to in regular netrunner where you have so many things to spend your influence on and nothing and like you know not enough influence to spend right yeah and some of that is because of the mwl but it's also just that there are so many strong cards and the strong cards are on such a different power level to the average cards that Mm. the opportunity cost of including this in your deck is much higher yes um and so it really i can't see a situation where you actually have a runner deck that has a game plan and then your your influence is spent on this rather than something that actually helps your game plan like there are so many good cards and this is just mediocre i suppose but it's also like aggressively I think it's mediocre. worse than mediocre yeah like green level clearance in and of itself is not a great card no but firstly the two resources that green level clearance gives you are much more valuable in corp in corporation decks than runner decks they're worth more in corp decks than runner decks and um when i say that the resources are more valuable to you i think drawing a an extra card and having control over when you do it uh and being able to build your deck around consistently drawing additional cards is a lot better in corp than in runner yes and i also, think so too and also the resources are like uh, credits wise are slightly scarcer for corps than for runners yes and also there's much more synergy with green level clearance on the corp side like it's a transaction that's relevant but like yeah i just think that in terms of actually putting this card in your deck i can't imagine a situation where it's actually beneficial to do so compared to another more specialized but not as I mean, is it even powerful? No. Like, no. Okay. No. Yeah. Cool. Officer Frank is the next neutral card. It's influence-free. It's a unique resource connection, zero to play. It's got an ability trash and pay one credit. The corp trashes two cards from HQ at random. Use this ability only if you suffered meat damage this turn. I thought we'd moved past this, Wilfie. I thought we'd move past having random use only if you've done very narrow thing this turn. Yeah, I see. Um, I think this card is sort of halfway, like half Utopia Shard and half Clan Vengeance, right? Yeah. Where Clan Vengeance like requires you to sort of build your deck around being able to deal yourself incremental amounts of meat damage and Utopia Mm. Shard doesn't have such a high deck building cost, but you know, you can only use it once and it's not... And you have to already be able to get into HQ. So this is mm. like how and clan vengeance triggers off any damage, not just meat damage, especially. Mm. Like, in how many games do you think this sort of thing would be a useful actual tool against the opponent dealing meat meat damage? None. It it's impossible, right? So if they are going seesaw scorched scorched, 
then you can do it in between the first and second scorched. True. That's it. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe this is a plant just for the terminal directive corset metagame. Right, where you need to actually be able to deal with that. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. It's just as you're saying, it is a very narrow card for something that doesn't like. It's not very. It doesn't sort of do any of the things that you want your cards to do. It's not flexible in a lot of situations. It's not impactful when it's actually good. And it can't, like, be used in a variety of ways. Like, I don't mm. know, it just seems like it, even if you're going to play a narrow card in your deck, you want it to be a card where if it's good, it's going to go a long way towards winning you the game, right? Mm. It's where, also unique, which is pretty annoying. Yeah, or, like, you're going to try and build your... Or if it's something that, you know, you have to put a lot of work into, which this is, then you want it to be like a primary engine to your game plan like clamp engines or something where it actually does give you a good payoff if you can manage to get a couple counters on like four or five counters on it right that can be mm-hmm. a game plan a running game plan yeah so a bit low on power level and a bit narrow yes the next card is another unique resource it's dean lister two to install another resource connection no influence trash choose an icebreaker until the end of the run, that icebreaker has plus one strength for each card in your grip. It's a decent boost for a, a late game run against moderate to large size ice. Potentially giving plus five strength for a run. Yeah, I actually, it's sort of like injection attack in that, um, but it's better because you don't, you can put it on the board and you don't necessarily have to keep it in your hand. It's also just synergizes a bit better with those like slower um resource heavy decks where mm. you know you actually want to use something like overmind or memon maybe in order to minimize the number of runs you have to make over the game while keeping them impactful so i think yeah. that this is actually a like it's pretty good with those cards actually like if you're going to use an ai breaker it's i can see it it's easily above stim hack like versus uh yeah. s- strength right oh yeah like three ice server that's 15 credits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even if not all of those credits are relevant, it still has the bonus of being a resource and, you know, synergizing with all your other resource cards and not necessarily taking up a slot in your hand with Stimhack. So I think that it actually is a good piece for those kind of decks, but mm. sort of those decks might have other problems aside from, you know, using, like, the the issue with those decks has never really been like how you to turn your late game resource advantage into accesses it's more been like what happens if your opponent just tries to do something while you're floundering around with all your setup yes um but still i like i don't think that makes this card bad it just sort of doesn't like it is good in those kind of decks it just doesn't sort of solve a problem to like put those decks on another level i think Mm -hmm. yeah no, I quite like it as an economy piece. The next card is Biometric Spoofing. It's a resource. It's got two to install, zero influence. It's got very familiar art. I feel like I've seen it before. Uh, is it on? It's on some one of the boxes, right? Like no, it's on. It's on another card, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, trash to prevent two damage. What do you think of this one? So 
this is sort of the opposite of a card like Plascrete or Feedback Filter. It's not going to be as effective as either of those cards when it's good, but it's going to be always good. I feel like for how effective it is at actually preventing you from dying, 2 is a bit expensive, just because I feel like in a lot of situations you still need to install multiple copies, such as against Boom, you need to install multiples, against Double Scorch Earth, you need to install multiples. Um, it's mostly against net damage that you can afford to only install one, but I feel like those kind of decks mostly are trying to move away from killing you in one turn with the pointing of bioethics, like sort of making the Ronin Chairman Hero decks less good, and the fact that Potential Unleashed is actually good turned out to actually be good, making the um, plan of running the runner out of cards in their deck a bit better and so mm. i sort of don't see this card as being like as uh, being efficient enough to be playable over plascrete or feedback filter like i do think it's a bit hmm, it's comparable to sports hopper i think like it's... and it's sort of the opposite or the inverse in a way of the other card with the same art which is biomodeled network I don't know about that. Oh, uh, I'll look one up while it one does. Cost <laughs> yeah. One cost resource that prevents all but one net damage when you trash it. Oh, okay. So that's good against large instances of net damage, which there's not really that many of in the game. Mm-hmm. This is good against small instances of any damage. So it's more versatile in that sense. Like it, you can save yourself from a cheeky couple of brain damage or a, a brain damage that you really don't want to take. Um, you can make a snare far less impactful. You sure. can prevent all the damage from fetal AI. That's true, but um, like, you know, spending two credits a click in this card to and, you know, a card to play this and having the best case scenario be to prevent the damage from a fetal, like... Well, that's not the best, but like multiples of this can save you from boom. True, true, and true. it's not unique. The best of one, like one copy of it. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, I think the big drawback is that in order to actually have a significant effect on the game, you need to have put two copies of these card, this card into play together, right? Mm, yeah. So it's sort of, yeah, it's half a card, really, in a lot of situations. Yeah, but then it's is, also more mm-hmm. versatile than Plascrete. That's true. Um, in the damage that it prevents. So I don't know, like, I'm not I'm not completely down on this card, um, but I don't think you'd want to play less than three if you're going to play it, sort of thing. Right, and I feel like if you're going to play it, you'd want to maybe have some way to reduce the cost or have some way to make use of multiple copies if they're not, like, going to be useful in the game. Like, I might... If there was a technical writer for resources... Mm-hmm. Or, like, what's the most technical writer card for resources? The supplier or something? Um, uh, off-campus apartment? Yeah. Does that host this? Uh, I, don't I don't think know. it hosts it. But, yeah, like, something like that. I feel like if you want a resource that prevents damage, because the three cards that we mentioned before all hardware this can fit in there especially if you're going to play it in Haley, where your card types are more relevant and it's it can be a bit better to play like it's easier to get cards out of your hand and into play mm-hmm. um so it's easier to combine multiple copies of this to actually have some effect on the game so yeah, i feel so like maybe this yeah. is Haley's good damage prevention card yep potentially Cool. Um, the next card and the final runner card in the pack is the Shadow Net. 
It's got some kind of like egg motif going on there. I, I'm not really sure what's going on in the art, but it's very colorful and quite intriguing. It's a zero cost resource virtual. Click forfeit an agenda. Play an event from your heap, ignoring all costs. What is going on here, Wilfie? Like, explain to me the, the benefit over same old thing. Yes. It's repeatable, but so, how, how repeatable is it to forfeit agendas? I don't know. It's a bit of a weird card. I think the two situations in which it's sort of playable are one with fan sight, um, yep. where you, if you're going to use fan sight and something like Maker's Eye is your multi access, just because you've decided that Maker's Eye is more efficient than having to install multiple R&D interfaces or something, then this mm-hmm. could be good. Like it does like that sort of setup does significantly shorten your setup time i think just because fan sites you can play sort of whenever and they just get scored um by themselves and that doesn't necessarily need the shadow net that also works with artist colony um so i feel like those this card and artist colony work together with fan site because this lets you when you're already set up this lets you play things like maker's eye and legwork and etc um, mm-hmm. And Artist Colony lets you find icebreakers before you're ready to, like, before your your rig is set up, right? So, but whether that is enough to, like, make a deck playable, I'm not sure, just because that takes a lot of slots. And I'm not sure what, like, how you're going to turn that into a strategy that's powerful enough when you, for example, don't have fan sight, like the issue with Artist Colony has always been that, like scoring the first agenda is really hard. If you're going to use Artist Colony and fan sight to make it so that you can let your opponent have, say, three or four points, and make sure that you mm. can lock them out of the rest of their points, then you need to yeah. be able to do something to score that first agenda, basically, in the games where you don't draw fan sight at the right time, and this exacerbates that problem, I think. Oh, it doesn't yeah. really do that much to solve it while it is good wh- when you already have the fan sites in your score area. So, and, uh, But isn't Artist Colony just much more likely to allow you to lock the corp out of the remainder of their points than this is? Like, playing an event from your heap isn't nearly as impactful as finding any card from your deck, is it? True, but those kind of decks sort of want to draw their deck as fast as possible, right? The whole the point of that strategy is so you can spend most of the early game setting up and hopefully get your rig going as fast as possible. So this is the reverse Artist Colony, where this is good if you've already gone through all your cards, whereas Artist Colony is good if but you what need does to it find do? your cards. Like, what's the ceiling? Like, what's the best thing in those decks that you could play with this? Um, I haven't thought of anything that's better than just Maker's Eyeing them a bunch of times. But, like, you can yeah. replay Gamble, and that's okay, right? Because it ignores the costs. I suppose so, yeah. Plus nine's pretty good. Yeah, like, I don't think it's that that mm. um, bad to do that. I just, I'm not sure whether, like, it's another sort of thing where you need... Is some, it better to just have dirty laundry in your deck? Yeah, it's, you need some other <laughs> way to, like, try and win the game than to just do this because it's the whole, it's kind of like a house of cards, right? If you're relying on fan site to support artist colony, to support your breakers, to support your maker's eye, to support this. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. 
All right, and I think that's a great note to end on. That brings us to the end of the runner cards from Terminal Directive. We hope you've enjoyed our little trip through last week, Steve Cambridge and friends, and this week through Ayla, Bias, Rahim, and all the new tools that Shapers have got, as well as a few little neutral cards at the end there. I feel like towards the start of the Shaper section, we had a few more powerful cards, Wilfie, and then it sort of dropped off a little. Yeah, although I feel like that's always going to be the case if you have multiple, like something like Adept and Savant, the whole cycle isn't so great, but you have to spend multiple cards on it. I think it's maybe... Like, I don't think that the Shaper cards have been that bad, and I feel like there have been a lot of interesting concepts that we've touched on that I want, makes me want to sort of explore things. Yeah, and I have to say, I'm really pleased with the the design of the runner side of this pack. I think it's a really, really interesting box in terms of the cards and the the ideas that have been explored. It's sort of a nice mix between, you know, old school Genesis cycle and, and spin cycle, as well as a few new twists along the way. Yeah, I do feel like the um, the necessity to have a self-contained campaign experience with one core set and this sort of has um, railroaded the design a little bit into what uh, a bit away from what we would normally think of a big box so mm. I feel like you need to look at it from that perspective but if you think of it that that's the first time that FFG has done something like that and it's not necessarily clear how that was going to turn out I feel like they've done a good job given that restriction yeah I agree well, that brings us to the end of this episode. We'll be back next week with the first half of the corp half of the pack. So I guess the third quarter of the pack, if you like. That's right. Uh, yeah. If you want to get in touch with us in the meantime, perhaps with pronunciation-related issues or, or anything else, you can email us at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can tweet us at winningagenda. And to our friend who tweeted us about the pronunciation of cache, please don't take what I said the wrong way. We really appreciate it any interaction um and thank you for dipping your toes in uh the you can also get in touch with us on facebook our like page is the winning agenda you can get in touch with us on patreon at patreon.com slash the winning agenda and while you're there you can even throw a few dollars our way to support the work we do uh until next week i've been jesse here with wilfie horrig and we'll see you then thanks so much for listening bye bye